Welcome to the Zen Stoic Podcast, where we take philosophies of Zen and Stoicism that have been helping people for thousands of years, and we bring them into modern discussions to create mental wellness and vitality. Welcome back, everybody, to the Zen Stoic Podcast. I have a special guest with me here today, somebody who I've been wanting to have on this podcast forever. <laughs> this is yeah, Lowell. He is uh, he's a great friend of mine and also my mechanic. But the interesting thing is we were just talking about every time I visit this man or get my car service, <laughs> it is a minimum of one hour, even if yeah. the service is 15 minutes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Lowell, thank you so much for being here, man. Oh, and it's a pleasure. Thank you. So if, if we, just before we get started, if you could tell the audience a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you do, and your, you know, take on philosophy. Um, how you doing? My name is Lowell Gellin. Uh, currently, I run a business called On Call Mechanics. It's an uh, automotive repair facility where we service, diagnose, and repair vehicles. So we pretty much can do everything that the dealership can do, and then some because we believe in servicing humanity. And we believe in making sure that we love what we do so that when people see us word, they can see the passion, they can see the fire, the cosmic fire, I should say. And it creates an impetus in which uh, a human relationship could be developed. Um, aside from that, uh, I mentor the incarcerated youth. I make sure that I spend time with uh, special friends of mine, and, and I'm somewhat of a counselor, so my shop is somewhat like a like a ministry, so to speak. <laughs> it uh, definitely so is. In, 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 <laughs> in, 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 in fact, when my man Vic come through, it's a whole session, you know, and if there's more people, there's, then uh, because Vic has a tendency to, when he speaks, he has a way of captivating people. When he captivates people, he grabs their attention before you know it. Um, it could be two, three, four, five, ten people talking because some of the things that he says is not what not what you hear in the norm. So uh, certain things that he brings to the forefront, it creates an atmosphere where people are like this. This is not what I'm accustomed to hearing, but it makes a lot of sense. And before you know it, he has the whole crowd, <laughs> and he definitely has my attention. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a great experience. Yes, and. So I remember you telling me the story about how you got into being a, an automotive technician mm -hmm. and the story of, you know, your mom getting her car serviced and what yeah. had happened there. So I think this this actually really closely relates with the concept in stoicism. But, but, you know, before we get into that, why don't you tell that story about how you started as an automotive technician? Um, my mother paid what I felt was a large amount of money for a brake service on her 1991 Toyota Cressida, an extremely... Um, a well-built vehicle. They don't make it anymore, but it's a very well-built vehicle. But I felt the price was a little bit too high. Uh, so I decided to buy the Chilton Labor book, learned, looked on how to do the brakes for that 91 Cressida. Um, I had had some slight training uh, exposure to how to do brakes, uh, so that helped a lot too. Um, but I'm reading the book, and everything they did, I did, uh, to the best of my ability at that point in time. And uh, I told myself, you know, I can... I can do this. It was fun. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, people have issues with their cars. I had to work on it for free. A couple times I messed up. A few times I messed up. Um, uh, but I'm at a point now where um, I won't say I can fix anything and everything because that's not possible. But we can we can repair most vehicles that come to our establishment. And I feel fulfilled when I when I do what I do mm -hmm. because it's, it's it's not really work. It's fun. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is uh, what what I have always found that made you unique in this industry is that you always come from a place of honesty and transparency about the person's vehicle that you're servicing Absolutely. and not just trying to make a quick buck. No. Like a lot of stereotypical mechanics make. Yeah, the and dealerships. Absolutely. And it violates a, a you know specific principle of stoicism where Marcus Aurelius, who's one of the great stoics, mm -hmm. who's a Roman emperor, mm -hmm. one of the things that he said that does damage to the soul 
is when we knowingly deceive another. Mm. create some kind of deception, which is mm. like the stereotypical bad habit of a lot of mechanics out there. And, I would agree. And what I found when I went to you for the first time is I was like, all right, here's the car. And you're like, you're like, where are you going? Like, I was like, oh, I was just going to go wait in the office. Like, well, and you're like, no, 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 no. You're going to, you're going to watch me do this because you need to know what's going on with your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was taken aback by this. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, for me, um, you know, years ago I had, uh, I had a, I had to have a surgical procedure done. So I had a left inguinal hernia surgery. So I'm talking to the, I'm talking to the surgeon mm -hmm. and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, why why do I need this? Because I, you know, I don't eat meat and so forth. So he says this has nothing to do with meat. It's a weakness in the muscles. So I started researching, researching, researching. So before I had the surgery, I had another conversation with him, and then he asked me, "Are you a med student?" And I said, "Why are you asking me this question?" He said, "These are med student-based questions." I said, "You're taking a blade, putting it to my body. I need to know what's going on. Mm. And since I'm going to be out." I'm, I'm not going to be conscious. I need to know to the best of my ability what you're doing to my body. In the automotive industry, when I worked at the dealership, customers would have to accept what the service advisor tells them, and they don't know what's going on. So I felt the need to create an atmosphere by which customers can see what's going on by either watching or I'll do a video, send it to their phone, and let them know what, I, what it is that I see that's going on with their vehicle and what needs to be taken care of, why it needs to be taken care of, and so forth. That way, the, the bridge of honesty is created and there's no atmosphere of deception. Mm. Because what, what you're correct, what, 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 what a lot of auto repair shops do, the chain auto repair shops um, like Jiffy Lube, what dealerships do is what I call deceptive intelligence. They deceive customers intellectually um, to make them think their vehicle needs something that it doesn't. And I can't count how many times I've been to a dealership. They say this, this you know, when I'm at the dealership, they say a car needs a lot of work and the car just sitting there doing nothing, come back. And the customer pays for nothing, and I need to I need to eradicate that. Absolutely, because that I, I feel like that's one of the the biggest problems that we have in society now. It's it shows up with with automotive technicians, but it's something that a lot of people experience, right? They deceive others because they they feel like it's going to help them gain in life, and the reality is that just comes back to you Absolutely. in some way, shape, or form. And it's really interesting to see the way that you work because you always want to create that environment of transparency, that tr environment of honesty, mm -hmm. and not use deceptive intelligence by using a bunch of jargon and lingo that they don't understand Absolutely. to make them think they need something that they don't. And mm -hmm. I remember this specifically uh, when I had brought you my car for the first time. And you're like, uh, oh, yeah, I think it was my brakes or something like that. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> mm -hmm. that like they only lasted like a really short amount of time. And I was like, yo, like what happened here? Cause the first round of brakes lasted, I think it was like 15 or 20,000 miles or something like that. And I brought it to you after like five or 10 and you're like, yeah, they purposely did the lug nuts on these tires way too tight yeah. so that you'd have to come back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they make it overly tight to warp the rotors before you know, you need rotors and pads. Like these people, like I, I was trained by a good friend of mine named Steve Solomon. I would always see him torque the wheels and I'm like, you have time for that? He says, peace of mind, man. Mm -hmm. I know if I talk the wheels to the specific the specifications of this vehicle, a tire's not going to fall off. The, 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 the wheel hub won't be uh, compromised and it's not going to create an issue with the rotor where it becomes warped and needs brakes soon. So mm -hmm. just do it right the first time. Yeah. And I was never trained like that in the dealership. A friend of mine had, my mentor had to teach me that. And ever since he did that, one time I was talking a wheel in front of a customer. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a young lady. She said, "What's that noise?" I said, "That's precision." 
And in order for me to be precise with your vehicle, when I hit the torque wrench and you hear that clicking, I know it's torqued at the right percentage. And, she's, <gasps> and she went somewhere else, and because I wasn't available, mm-hmm. they didn't torque the wheels. He was like, no, you don't have to do anything else. I'll take it to my mechanic because you guys don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and she let them inform know. Inform the people, man. And, exactly. And when you inform customers, uh, you provide them with information is power. Mm-hmm. So when I provided her with the information on how certain things should be done, so now she has this newfound knowledge. So now that you have this newfound knowledge, what do you do with this information? Here it is, you have to take your vehicle to another facility because I may not be available. And then you see them doing it in a manner in which you have been, you've been shown is not correct. correct. And now you don't feel comfortable bringing it there. You feel the need to bring it back to me or someone else who seems competent. And unfortunately, from what I've seen in the automotive industry, um, there's not a lot of competency. No, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, it's a, it's one of those industries that it's easy to take advantage, just like in the financial industries, right? Absolutely. Using language in a seductive and deceptive way to so people don't understand exactly what they're getting into. But hey, you seem knowledgeable, so I'll just listen to what you're saying. Kind exactly, of, kind of vibe. Um, so I think it's really important that you took that stance, and I imagine that a lot of that doesn't just come from you know, what you perceive as right and wrong, but comes a lot from your own personal philosophy. So mm-hmm. I know you've done a lot of study. Of different philosophies, you know, you've studied all the religions and Mm -hmm. just to like get your own insight on it. So what are some of the ones that have been most prominent for you in terms of philosophies or or schools of thought? There's a there's a philosophy called Ma'at philosophy that stems from ancient Kemet, currently called Egypt. Uh, Ma'at is spelled Mm M-A-A-T. Ma'at is a is a Kemetic slash Egyptian goddess that represents balance and order in the universe. And there are seven principles of Ma'at. Uh, the sixth principle of Ma'at is reciprocity. Mm. And I feel I feel the need almost all the time to show people how much I appreciate them if they do something for me, with me, or to me. Even if it's something as small as providing me with the opportunity to service their vehicle. There's hundreds and hundreds of auto repair facilities, and they come to mind out of nowhere. So... Um, unfortunately, I was, uh, I was injured in, at my shop. I had an accident at my shop. My feet got burned. Mm. And in the process of that, well, prior to that, one of the ways that I would show my appreciation is pressure cleaning customer's engine, you know, because sometimes, you know, when you get a service done on your car, you're not going to feel a difference if it's an oil change. Sometimes you won't even feel a difference if it's brakes contingent upon the situation. But when you open up the hood to the vehicle and they see their engine clean, they're of the perception that this individual cares about the condition of my vehicle. And I do care about the condition of their vehicle. And it's important that that's conveyed every single time the vehicle comes to the establishment. Yes. And and, and, and and that's one thing I learned from being reciprocal. You don't have to take your car to me. How do I show you how much I appreciate you? And one of the ways is by pressure cleaning the engine, making sure you give them discounts, make sure you do something to let them know that you appreciate them coming here when they can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, my philosophy also, that, that and that creates a balance. Here it is you do for me, and I, I'm just showing you my appreciation. So services are rendered and payments remitted, but there's to me there's a human element that needs to be introduced when 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 someone decides to take their vehicle to your establishment and not another establishment. Like there has to be something more than just okay, services rendered, payments remitted. It can't just end there. It has right, to be it's some, not just a transaction. It's not just a transaction. And I and I I try to have a personal relationship with my customers because if I have a personal relationship with them, they really don't think I'm going to deceive them. And I'm not going to deceive them because Correct. now we're friends. I'm not going to deceive my friend. Um, in, in my philosophy, 
you're supposed to you're supposed to create that philosophy in every aspect of what you do. So I'm supposed to be reciprocal. I'm supposed to be kind. I'm supposed to be giving and selfless to every human being that I encounter. Yes. And if I come across one that would take advantage of that, then of course I'm I'm cautious with that energy and with that exchange. Uh, but we, I, in my opinion, I should every aspect of how I live my life, my philosophy, should be enacted even in my business. In my business. They have the term called customer service, which is really, in a sense, kind of insulting because it's it's, yes. a, it's a tenu- <laughs> yeah it's a technical term used to okay I need to be humane towards you, I need to be I need you to service me as a customer. No, you're a human being. You mm-hmm. have blood that goes through your veins. You have a heart that pumps. You have a digestive system, an excretory system, a circulatory system. You need to be serviced. You need to be served. You're a human being. Right. So, I understand that the term customer service. I understand that, but I'm supposed to be humane to you regardless. Right, you know, and and if and if you're coming to me, I should be even more humane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's it's really interesting that you say that because one of the Stoic philosophers named Seneca mm-hmm. said that every human being is an opportunity to express kindness. Wow! And we were talking about that in That's the previous awful. episode. Wow, man, I need to. <laughs> you come yeah, to the right place. <laughs> yeah, man, I need to start doing this more often. <laughs> And it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting because all the Stoics had some version of this. Uh, Marcus Aurelius would say as human beings, we're made to cooperate with one another. You know, we're made for each other. So to express any kind of ill intent or to purposely harm or deceive another human being, mm. it does damage to your own soul. It comes Absolutely. back onto you. Uh, another aspect of my philosophy that deals with um, the Indians, the uh, Indian philosophy, they call it karma, mm-hmm. uh, which is a word which really means action. Yes. And if I don't, all, every philosophy from the African to the Hindu to the Buddhist to the Catholic, Christian, Islamic, even in the Baha'i faith, mm-hmm. um, every philosophy, Zoroastrianism, Zionism, Sikhism, all of them have a philosophy of, of however which way you wish to be treated, make sure you treat another human being that way. Yes. The gold, what they call the golden rule. Um, and this all stems from ancient Africa, but at the end of the day, every group of people on this planet have an understanding of how a human being is supposed to react. You know, uh, just the other day, uh, the other day, this morning, uh, while I was working, I was uh, administrative work, by the way. Um, I'm listening to a young lady by the name of Tulsi Gabbard. She's a representative from the state, uh, state of Hawaii. She's a congresswoman and she's speaking against the war. She's speaking against, um, she's speaking, she's speaking for the benefit of um, 100% uh, Medicaid and Medicare, how uh, health insurance should be provided to every human being, she's humane. Mm-hmm. And she's getting a lot of flack, a lot of negativity from women as well. If you saw The View, almost all the women on The View attacked her. And she's a veteran. There was a racist Caucasian lady by the name of something McGain, um, Megan. I think her name is Melanie Megan. I can't remember her name. But she was upset. She was showing anger towards... Tulsi Gabbard, because Tulsi Gabbard wants peace. Now, women represent purity. The nature of a woman is to nurture. And here she is bringing a nurturing element, a nurturing message. And every woman on there was like, no, we need to go to war. We need to go to war. We need to go to war. And she's like, I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you know, um, and one one of the women that was, uh, that shocked me, I forget her name, is a black lady. She's half, no, she's, uh, multiracial, half black, half Latin. And she's usually the one having to destroy this Megan character. Mm. But even she came up with her in a, in attack mode. 
Yes. And and here it is. There's a young lady who's running for president who wants to put an end to change regime wars because philosophically, if I treat you humane and you treat me humane, there won't be any war. Mm-hmm. But because there's a, a fascination with oil, there's egos of wanting to you know conquer nations instead of just letting them take care of themselves— you know, if we take all that money and that, that's going, trillions of dollars are going to war, that could be used in our communities, building community centers. And these are all things that she's talking about that are humane acts, that is part of the philosophy that you're about, that I'm about. It may have different names, but our flows are pretty similar. They're very, yes. they're, 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 the intentions are, are aligned. The, the, the energetic intention is the same. And here it is, you have a, a, a young lady who is promoting what you and I are promoting, and everybody's telling her no. Like, more than likely, she may not become president, one, because she's a woman, two, because she's spitting the truth, and three, because she doesn't want war. She wants to end racism. She wants to end sexism. Uh, she wants to end this corny, ridiculous healthcare system. She wants to bring humanity back to a governmental agency that doesn't want, that doesn't want to be humane. Mm. You know, it's, 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 and that's why it's important to live by certain philosophies that deal with a higher way of thinking. Um, it gives you principles to to essentially be like your north star to to guide you in these um, these times. And the interesting thing is that I at least I've seen this a lot in society, where women are basically told to wear this masculine mask to get ahead, Absolutely. and they deny their own femininity. But the same mm. the same is true uh, vice versa, right? Men are taught to put on this feminine mask, and so everybody's wearing a mask and mm. not actually being sincere or genuine, which makes it really difficult to think about others. Absolutely. Right. So it's that cultural narrative that, you know, people have essentially become obsessed with in the sense of it being a crutch for them um, to live their life by, you know, they, they rely on the drama for a sense of significance. Mm. They rely on the conflict for something to fight against. And it's a very backwards way of thinking. <laughs> very, very, very backwards. And in, in, in regards to stoicism, in regards to some of the philosophies that I live by, if you inculcate this philosophy as a part of your person and people see this about you, like how I see it in you, mm-hmm. it, it, if I'm a thinking human being, and unfortunately the educational system needs to be restructured because the American educational system is structured where, he, where children, where students are not, are not taught to think, they're taught to memorize, to accept, and, and, and to receive everything that they hear from their, from their teachers. And everything they hear on TV and they see it as truth. Mm. They have no impetus to do their own research. To One of the reasons why I admire you so much because you're like, you know what, the world's telling me this. Maybe there's another angle. There's another angle. And the one thing I appreciate about you so much, you're always giving me a perspective aside from what I, what I know. You're, you're, you're telling me, Lowell, those are nice glasses. Put on these lens. I think you may see the world a little bit differently. Mm. And you do it in a manner that makes me want to put on the lens. You don't, you don't force it down my throat. You don't, you're like, what about this? And the education system doesn't do that. And one, one of the things that, that needs to change is how we are taught to look at the world. Like, for example, um, you, were, you weren't raised in this country, so your viewpoint is completely different. You mm-hmm. do not see the world the way most people raised in this country see the world. That's another reason why what makes you so unique. And you may come to this country and be like, why are people operating this way? Like, <laughs> I had, a, I had, I had a, a friend of mine when she first moved here from Canada. She went to, she, when she pulled up to the truck, she pulled up to the gas station, she's waiting for someone to come and put gas in the car. 
And like 10 minutes later, she's like, no one's going to put gas in my car. They're like, you put gas in yourself. She's like, what do you mean I put gas? You put gas in the car. <laughs> and he, he, he pretty much cussed her out. She had to go to another gas station because she was mistreated. But the cultural shock was in Canada, they put gas in the car for them. At that point in time, this is like in 1999, this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, um, then she started telling me about all the differences that she was going through. One of the main things was healthcare. She's like, so I got to pay to get taken care of? I'm moving back. She ended up moving back. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's the philosophy that this country has is based on capitalism. And capitalism is a economic philosophy that's that's where the premise of it the premise of that philosophy is uh buy low sell high and um for the most part it's every man or woman for him or herself there's a selfishness to, towards capitalism and i'm not saying um other economical systems that other countries have are better but the philosophy of capitalism is not the same philosophy of stoicism my philosophy Taoism. It's not a it's not a philosophy. It's not an economic philosophy in which everyone can benefit. Right. As long as there's capitalism, there's, someone's going to be experiencing some form of detrimental behavior as a root cause of capitalism. So even this economical infrastructural system needs to change. Mm-hmm. And if and if we can involve, if we can enact aspects of stoicism, uh, stoicism. Uh, am I saying it correctly? Yeah, stoicism. Uh, stoicism. <laughs> I apologize. Um, no, no, you're good, man. <laughs> stoicism, my philosophy, or Taoism. Um, other, uh, you know, Hindu aspects of philosophy, um, Buddhist, the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths. If that was inculcated into this culture, this 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 be a completely different place we'd be living. In. People would want to oh, come here even more. It, a lot of it is out of date. I mean, there's even a oh, yeah. there, there's a presidential candidate, and uh, you know, normally we don't delve into politics here, but there's a presidential candidate that made a a good point where he was talking about how GDP is an idea that is over a hundred years old. And it's the measurement of of the worth of worth of our country of our economy, mm-hmm. and you know GDP might be at an all time high, but when you have the life expectancy dropping because of overdoses and suicides, what does that say about you? Are you mm-hmm. really in a good state? <laughs> and mm-hmm. capitalism, in in its purest form, without any flexibility of the ideology, would say yes. Yeah. Now this is uh, I don't disagree with capitalism, but I do disagree with any kind of extremism. Where it's like, I'm so hooked on this narrative of this idea that I will deny everything else. Yeah. Now, that can be detrimental. Very. So, Very. you know, he, he's saying, why don't we, you know, restructure the way that we think about our, our worth, our, our basically our, our economic stability, and mm. choose a new metric of measuring that. That has to do with humanity versus just numbers. Yeah, put me on to that. <laughs> yeah. We definitely yeah. will. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So the other thing that that I was curious about uh, from your standpoint is, have you ever had any specific instances that you know you you thought one way and then you ended up changing it and adopting a new philosophy on something? Any any specific times in your life where you know there was just this big change? That- but believe, believe it or not, you play a major role in that. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. I, um, I understand that some of your roots are Italian. Yes. Okay. So there was. 20,000 Africans that resided in Italy for some point in time. Uh, I can't remember the exact dates. So there's a lot of African people who feel like, you know, I could roll with some Italians because some of the Italians, you know, they, they know that experience. And, yes. And there was, there was a point in times where Italians were ridiculed by white people and through the system of white supremacy for the simple fact that 
Italians just don't take no crap. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> mean? And and they just don't. And they, and no human being should. And for, there was a period of time in America where Italians were targeted, mm-hmm. and um, they were they were mistreated for the simple fact that they were Italian. So they were oppressed under a system of white supremacy, and they too are Caucasian. Now. You're one of the few Caucasians that I met. There's been a few. I, I, I can't call you Caucasian. <laughs> Italian. Um, because you're nowhere near that. Um, you were just so pure. And I'm like, you know, I'm not, I don't think I ever told you this, big, <laughs> But prior to that, like, I just associated every Caucasian that I met. For the first time, they have to prove to me they're not evil. I just automatically assume all white people are evil by nature. Mm. So I met, I met our boy Sam. He was just extremely humane. Like, I'm looking for the racist, you know, my ra- my racist bar is always up. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for him to technic it. I don't get it. With you, they, they, the bar was even up. Like, you didn't even create the atmosphere for me, to, for, the, for me to even think it. And I was like, not all of them are bad. Maybe one or two stand out. Um, but when I got hurt and I was in a hospital, every, almost every single nurse, with the exception of a few, uh, had extremely pale skin. Uh, all of them were Latin. And what a lot of people are not aware of is that Latin culture is really African culture. So you have an African influential way of thinking and operating living that Caucasian, uh, that a few people who look, who appear to be Caucasian, are raised under this philosophy, raised under this value system, and they operate with love. They, yes. they, they, they operate with almost something that is beyond love. It's like a family-based love, like... Um, I went to the hospital the other day and I was letting the nurse know that I don't know how, I don't know what philosophy you use to, 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 to implement, that you implemented with these nurses, but they trans, they changed my life. Like I'm, I'm even considering going to nursing school because I, the reward that I see on their faces when I, when they see me walking, I don't, I don't get that kind of same reward when I fix someone's car. Mm. And so there's a little bit more of a reward. Like, I know I'm not a doctor. I'm an automotive doctor, so to speak. I may not save lives, but I help people get to where they got to go and stuff like that. But to know you change someone's life on that level, like, I need to know all these nurses on a personal level. That's, like, really how I feel. And it makes me not look at European people the way I used to. I Actually, I can't, I can't say it makes me not. I can't. I literally mm. just can't. And if I do, it would be a it would be a contradiction to what I know now to be the truth. Correct. And um, and I just can't do that. So when after I experienced that, and then coming back and I, and I, and I and when I'm talking to you, I'm looking at you at a whole different light. I'm like, this man is like supremely intelligent. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like like extremely like like advanced because you just don't allow yourself to fall victim to white supremacist views you don't you i think it's asinine to you and uh you've exemplified that in your action and your behavior and you're consistent with it um so you help reinforce and give me validation that what i experienced in the hospital that what i experienced when i first met sam when i first met you and a few other caucasians the ritters joel and wanda ritter those they're like my family mm-hmm. you know um Joel is a, is a Caucasian. His wife Wanda is um, Puerto Rican. She's she has her skin slightly pale, but I love them. Yes, <laughs> I love them, and can't nobody tell me anything negative about them. If they Correct. do, there's gonna be a battle. 
can't nobody tell me anything negative about you because you know what's going to happen when I heal. <laughs> it's going to be a battle. Yes. Um, and so it was. It's, it it forced me to. It forced my views to evolve, mm. so to speak. And um, as I shared this with other people, other African people, they like sold out. I said, nah, man. I used to feel the same way that you used to feel. Yeah. But my experiences, like you didn't have, you, you didn't see what I went through. Like mm-hmm. if you saw it, you would have you would have been like, damn. Right. You know, you would have wondered why they're being so nice and so sincere. It's because this is who they are. And that little chip I'm I'm looking for, I I received it so much it just went away. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm back in this world when I come across regular Caucasians, I experience the racism, unfortunately. But I make it a point to visit the hospital as often as possible because I encountered beautiful human beings that I don't want to miss. I don't, I don't want to miss that connection with them. Yes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that, that's, that's been an amazing, that's had an amazing impact on my life. Yes. And, and the interesting thing is that when you gain an awareness like that, when you have this kind of breakthrough moment that shatters all your preconceived notions. Absolutely. Uh, all your narratives that were, in, in essence, held irrationally. Mm-hmm. Because it's like a general, a big generalization, mm-hmm. you can't go back. You can't. Now, don't like, get me wrong. Not, once you're aware, like you cannot return back to the way that you used to think. It just you, you, um, there's a caveat to that. You can't. However, with the current president, <laughs> <laughs> that there's um. So when I was in the hospital, um, my brother ended up getting uh, sick. So mm-hmm. he was in the hospital. My mother's a nurse. Mm-hmm. My mother's a retired registered nurse. So she was in the room. My, my brother was in the room, but he was sharing a room with a patient. Uh, the patient was asleep. My mother was speaking at a, uh, at a higher tone, so her, her voice must have woke, woke up the patient. And the patient, and one of the, one of the nurses my mother was speaking to, there was two nurses. One of them was a, uh, a black male nurse. Mm-hmm. So the patient woke up cussing out my mom. And the, the black male nurse said, listen, we understand that we woke you up. We apologize. Um, we didn't mean to uh, interrupt your sleep, but this is a lady, and you're gonna respect her as such. So you need to watch your mouth. The man's steady cussing. Now, with the person that's in the office that has created the atmosphere for, which I think is good. Excuse me, which I think is beneficial, because a lot of African people, unfortunately, a lot of Black people in America, are not informed on who they are, what they are, where they come from, and the educational system has made it so. And a lot of non-European people are in the same boat. In fact, usually when I meet non-European people and um, European people, they're shocked at my dialect, they're shocked at my diction, they're shocked at my ability to articulate well, at my knowledge base, because sadly they don't come across a lot of African people who are versed on various different subjects. Uh, and nor do they have the expectation for me to be intelligent. So they'll say nonsense, like, God, you speak so well. Like, that's a compliment. And it's really an insult. Because you just expect me to be stupid. Um, it absolutely is an insult. <laughs> exactly. Now, when I first met you, the reason why I was so impressed by what you were saying is because we met. We met like three years ago. Yeah, you, a little you, more than that. A little more than that. Yeah, so like five. Five. Yeah. So <laughs> you like in your young twenties? I'm like, how this cat so wise, spitting all this knowledge? <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I read thousands of books, and I ain't saying what he's saying. So that lets me know that your knowledge base was coming from a different place. I didn't know what that place was. All I need to know is that I need to know what this man knows. I need to know what he's about. And um, it's important to have a beautiful impact on another human being. 
Yes. In fact, it gives you validation, so to speak. So what I mean by that is that all of us here have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And when you when you leave my shop knowing, like yesterday when you left, I was like, yo, Vic, I need you to shoot me those, those quotes. <laughs> like, that's, in my opinion, I hope it gives you some kind of validation that you're doing something right. Because I'm 43. You're, what, 26? 27. 27. <laughs> and I'm getting schooled by this young gentleman. Now, if we look at the story of Jesus, Jesus was someone who at the age of 13, he was schooling everybody. It was like, how's this man, young man, so wise? Forget all that. He's wise. You're wise. Let me not figure out why you're wise. The reality is that you're wise. And let me just listen to what you have to say because it could probably have an impact on my life that could make me a better human being. And ever since you've been in my life, I've been a better human being. So, Thank you. Absolutely. It means a lot, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, and, and I hope it gives you some degree of validation. Not that you need it, but... There's 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 a there's something great about another human being coming to you telling you I'm a better person because of you. Mm-hmm. Not that you need the validation, but it gives you some semblance that I'm doing something right. Yes. You know what I mean? And and, and I hope you feel that at least when you interact with me. I don't oh, know about anybody else, but 100% because it it, it 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 reinforces, you know what you're doing. Re- not not that you're you're not that you're dependent on it or anything, but it reinforces the fact that you know, you're you're on you're on a path that is helping people. Mm-hmm. You're on a path that is that is virtuous. It, yeah, it's a confirmation, um, and it's interesting because, I mean, I always used to get this, especially when I was coaching for Tony Robbins. Uh, you know, a lot of people upon coming to me, where you know, I was hired when I was 24, so I was the youngest wow. coach in the company mm. at the time, and a lot of people would ask me like, "You're so young. My business is older than you. What are you going to teach me?" And you know, they would come. But but here's the thing. This is how I looked at that 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 kind of mentality. That type of thing that somebody's saying, what you always want to remember is perception is projection. Mm. So whatever they're perceiving, there's a part of them that may be uncertain about this experience. Maybe they've tried a lot of things and none of them have worked. So they're they're here on their last leg. I don't know this, but this is you know an assumption that I would have going in. But it's possible that there there's a part of them that's fearful of this. They're they're taking it seriously. They want it to work. And anything that, you know, kind of triggers them in that way, they're going to speak up. So I would always handle it accordingly and we'd be fine, get them the result and everything like that. Um, But the thing is, there's a combination of intellect, which you can build by reading books, by learning new skills. But there's also intuition. Right. And and the reason why I combine the Zen and Stoicism is because the Zen side of it is the intuition, Mm. whereas the Stoic side is the intellect. It's, Mm. It's the rationality, the reason choice. But I believe you need both. Oh, no question. One. Um, when you say you believe that we need both, um, this is where the balance in the universe is is maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, the revelation I had when I was in um, when I was in the hospital, I'm not someone who believes in God. I don't believe in a higher power in the way that most people believe in the higher power. What I do feel is that this force of nature that humans have termed God, where mm-hmm. the etymology of the word God really means heathen, so. We should probably we probably shouldn't use that term, but if this primeval force or ocean that's unlimited has this so-called limited power, um, I think that's female intuition. I don't think there's some force out there that governs what we see and don't see. I think that God force is in us, and it is more prevalent in women than it is in men. If we look at the biological makeup of the human being, the human being is born a female force. You've had you first had the two X chromosomes, and then through some degenerative process of mutation, you have an X 
now it's a wide I dropped off. So now the ovaries drop, turn to testicles. The clitoris extends, turns into a penis. So there's something primary about the female force of nature about women that's not primary about men. About men. men, biologically, from the perspective of anatomy and physiology, are the weaker sex. The two hemispheres in the brain come together at a faster pace in female babies than they do in male babies. Females have a longer longevity. Females have a longer sex drive. Females produce children. Females have intuition. Females, they, 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 in regards to intuition, they know stuff, they know things that we just don't know. Now, one can argue and say, intellectually, there are certain things we know that women don't know. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things like, a woman may, you know, your woman may be like, your friend right there, he's suspect. I know him 15 years. Yo, I'm telling you, something ain't right with him. They can, and it, they can sense it. They, they can sense it. They can feel it. They don't know really know what it is, but they're like, once they tell you that, you got an obligation now yeah. because you know she love you and you know that she knows she got your back. So you got to watch him, you know, from, and before you know it, two months later, he tried to betray you. And what it is is that she can see it. She can feel it. She can feel the animosity or the jealousy or whatever. Here it is. You coming in the ranks and whatnot. The dude. We talking about last night. I guarantee you, she probably peeped something from him. And 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 and, and not saying that we don't have it, we do. But I believe that men are here to assist women in becoming a little bit more intellectual. But women are here to teach us how to be more intuitive. Yes. The more intuitive we are, the more intellectual we become naturally. Women are naturally intuitive, and men can assist them in being intellectual. And that's where the balance of the universe is maintained within the female. And with the balance in the universe maintained when the male, when she teaches us how to be more intuitive, how to listen to that voice all the time, which is the God, what I call the God force or, or God um, or the, the divinity speaking within you. And if we take time, if men take time to quiet our egos and just listen to women, the right women, not just any woman, but the right woman that has good intentions, we can go very, very, very far in this world. Absolutely. You think about any great athlete, male athlete that performs at their best. It's not because they're just, they're thinking intellectually and rationally on every movement. Mm. They're using their intuition. They're using their unconscious mind Mm. to be able to detect these micro movements from their opponents Mm. and be able to react accordingly. It's not a process that happens intellectually. It happens because they've been able to tap into that side, that intuitive side. Let me ask you this. How do we determine, like sometimes I'm wondering, how do we determine if it's our intuition, our mind, or something that's instinctive? Because intuition kind of goes when instinct contingent upon the situation. And then sometimes, like what I, one time a friend of mine and I were talking, we were like, how do we know it's our intuition? It's not our mind. Mm. And what I've discovered is that when it's an intuition, you feel it all, like, all over. you like something's not right. Something's telling you something's not right. Your whole body feels it. Exactly. You, you, know, you need to do this, you know. When but, it's, yeah, when it's just a passion of the mind. Yeah. What it is, this is what I noticed the differences. Whenever mm-hmm. I've made a big decision mm-hmm. or I had a big ambition that I was going after, in the past, when it, when, I, when it was an ambition of ego or of the mind, I would have this kind of like uproar of emotions. Could be positive, could be excitement. Mm-hmm. But I'd be like, like outwardly expressing it, trying to convince myself mm-hmm. of this thing. But whenever it's been a right decision, there's been a very calm certainty and every part of my body's aligned. There's nothing that's feeling off or unsafe or 
It's just, it's a very centered, calm certainty that brings me into that place. Mm. And that's how I've determined the difference. Well, you're a little bit more advanced than most people, Vic. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even I could admit that because, uh, like you said something to me last night that really had me thinking. And uh, we'll talk about that off book, you know, um, but it's um, when you said you needed to make a decision and mm-hmm. for like nine months, you were very disciplined and it was very challenging. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm going through the same, if not the same as acting, very, very close. And I'm like, oh, God, this is what Vic was telling me about. Yo, yo, <laughs> you got to do what Vic said. If Vic could do it, you could do it. And, and, and that alone, I remember um, watching Oprah. Mm-hmm. Oprah said at one point she had lost weight. She was working out, exercising, lost weight, and then she fell off. But she says the fact that she did it once before gave that alone, that action is a form of willpower that she can call upon to say, listen, I've did it, I've done it before, I can do it again. I can do it again. Hearing your story and hearing your path gives me the will. Because my man did it. My man said it was difficult. He he struggled. But he's a better man of it now. He has a he has a better partner now. He can do it. I can do it. So that gives me the willpower. That gives me the determination. That gives me the discipline. That gives me the, the drive and the determination to do what I need to do. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. But we have to do what we have to do. I mean, yes. I, I just got hurt. I, I, I can't do any physical work on a car. But I'm back at the shop. And I need to run my business. <laughs> so, yes. you know, I have to do what I have to do. Hundred percent, and that's how it is. Uh, you know, with with all things in our life, anything that's worthwhile, at least. So, uh, before we wrap up, uh, where where can they find you if they need their car service or they just want some good conversation? Like, <laughs> oh man, um, it's funny you say that because you know they want good conversation. They come into the shop anyway. Yes. Um and and hopefully it could be it could be um, when you're present too, because mm-hmm. brother, I have to admit, um, you bring a different flavor uh, to the table, and it's a flavor that most people. Have not they're not accustomed to tasting. Mm-hmm. And when they taste it, they're like, man, this is ice cream. <laughs> I've had ice cream all my life. I've never had this more. It's not vanilla. It's not chocolate. Some gelato, it's not man. Yeah, it's not gelato. <laughs> but we know it's the bomb. You yes. know what I'm saying? And and that's what we need. We need young, new flavor. I mean, well, you know, one of the things that I enjoy about you too is that you give me invigorative energy. Like I feel more youthful. And, and, and I hope when you when you leave for me, you feel a little bit more wise because I try to impart whatever wisdom I feel I may have. Um, I mean, we boys, we friends, but I also, I hope I, I hope I have some kind of positive impact where I, I mean, because I know how you leave me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this guy keep thinking. <laughs> you know, and... and, and the that, feeling is mutual, man. <laughs> oh, man, that's... that's <laughs> like that's like I was telling you yesterday, I remember you mentioned something of this yesterday before I left the shop and mm-hmm. you were saying... Uh, Oh, I, I was saying, well, you know, part of these conversations are possible because, you know, you're receptive to it and you help bring it out of me. And you're like, don't give me credit. I'm like, no, I'm serious. You can't have these conversations with everybody. That's true. Right. There, that there so are certain true. people that embrace who you are in a sincere way and not based on their expectations that allow for this type of conversation to flow naturally and come together. And that's essentially what I've gotten every time I've gone to your shop. Wow. So... That that's why the conversations are able to go into that place. So, 
Lowell, thank you so much again for being here, brother. All day, all day, Absolutely, man. man. If you guys want to find Lowell on Call Mechanics in Davie. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, um, make sure. <laughs> you, you can check me on Instagram. You can find, if you go on Instagram, you can, you can, you'll find On Call Mechanics. If you go on LinkedIn, you'll find Lowell Gellin, L-O-W-E-L-L-G-E-L-I-N. On Facebook, you'll find On Call Mechanics as well. I think we have a page on Pinterest, but that's that's not major. And also, our location is 2061 Southwest 70th Avenue. The bay number is F as in 4, Davie, Florida, 33317. The phone number is 786-529-7188. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for the Zen Stoic Podcast. We've had Lowell Gellin here. It's been a, an awesome episode. Amazing conversation, as always. As always, I, I didn't bro. expect anything less. <laughs> no, you know how we do, bro. You know how 100%. we do. 100%. So we'll see Absolutely. you guys on the next episode. We're going to have Lowell come back for another episode. So uh, looking forward to that. Absolutely. Take it easy, y'all. Peace. Wait, wait. Before you go to the next podcast, listen. If you want the daily updates, Zen Stoic Mastery page on Facebook. Go like that. And if you want to link up on the Instagram, it's Zen Stoic underscore V.